and he's here with us. And uh, um, so hopefully your heart and your mind is open to, um, hey, let's, uh, maybe we think differently about the community. I want uh, revival. I want the presence of God. I want all of those things. If it only happens in this room, then we're missing something. Would you agree that it needs to be in our community, that it needs to be at Starbucks, that it needs to be at Hy-Vee, that it needs to be at Walmart, that it needs to be at your family reunions? I want it in here. I also want it out there. Jim, man, I've known you. I, I was thinking it was probably about 15 years. You can come on up. Maybe about 15 years. And uh, I, you served on a board with my dad, and we've just talked and and we were separated for a long time and then lord brought us back together a couple years ago i really appreciate you our house is your house thanks man well it is it's just such an honor to be here today and to, to be with you and i've over the last couple of years met with your elders and your pastors and you have just wonderful leaders i am from arkansas I kind of live up in the hills, and, you know, there was a movie made in Arkansas. Anybody know what that is? Play a banjo? Yeah, I didn't see that movie because it's rated R. Apparently, some of you, we're going to have an altar call at the end of the church. Sinners will be on this side and the mourners on this side. Why mourners? Did you watch your football team yesterday? And last week, at least they weren't as bad as Arkansas, right? You know, the guy catches the ball, looks around, then, you know, runs a touchdown. So we live up in the hills, and I was driving home, and I thought, wow, I I think I just ran over a snake. So I backed up, and there it was, a copperhead. And I don't like poisonous snakes, but there was something in me that said, "I I just have to go look at this thing. So, yeah, I live about, oh, maybe 100 yards up past. So I pull in the driveway, and I get this little flashlight, and it's just pitch black in our neighborhood. So I'm walking down there, and I'm not quite sure that I'm in the impact zone yet. And then I started having these thoughts, like, I wonder if he was part of a caravan. I wonder if this was like the sun and dad and mom, you know, are, are like mad and waiting for me. And I'm starting to think all these thoughts, and it's pitch black. And I didn't know at the time that it was a bat that was coming down, you know, when it saw my flashlight. I thought, I'm not kidding, I thought it was a copperhead diving out of a tree to bite me. And I, I mean, I screamed. I don't know. I screamed like a girl. I mean, and, and I, you know, it's not like I've got like a really high-pitched voice. I screamed like a girl. I danced. I was, and then I thought, I'm so embarrassed of myself. I, I, I couldn't even believe it. But, you know, it, there's this thing about even the last two nights. It's dark. The edge of the bed where I'm staring, you know, staying whack right into my knee. Have you ever done that at night? Like those who have kids stepped on a Lego and thought you were going to go be with Jesus? I mean, you know, that kind of a thing. All right, all right, picture this. (laughs) Picture the lights are out your whole life. You're blind. You can't see a thing, and you never have. 
And then there's the power of Jesus. I've been camping out in the book of John this whole year. I don't know, I've read the book of John 20-some times and just over and over and over, Lord, what are you saying? And in John chapter 9, it, it says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? I mean, that's a legitimate question. Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sin? You know, that was kind of a, a thought process in their day. I, I read this explanation. Neither has this man sinned nor his parents. Jesus doesn't affirm that they're sinless, but that their sins were not the cause of this calamity. We're not justified to assert that the sufferer is a sinner because we have to think about Christ, who was the sinless Savior, suffered all the time. We think about Job. We think about Paul. We think about the whole army of martyrs, right, in the Bible. Jesus says it was not because of his sins or his parents, but Jesus says this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. All through John, Jesus says, I'm the light. I am the light. I have come to bring light. When I first really got serious with the Lord, I'd been through college, I'd been, you know, trained academically, but really trying to figure out, God, what's important? I was in Mexico, we were down in Cabo San Lucas, we had driven down there, I grew up in California, and I, I prayed this prayer one night, God, what matters? If I'm going to commit my life to the service of the gospel, what matters? And I was just pondering there. I mean, it was, you know, a beautiful sunset, and the waves were crashing. I mean, it was just a perfect scenario. And God spoke to me. I know that you're here, but it was more real than even looking at, you know, you great. I mean, this was God speaking to me. And I remember God said to me this. Jim, do you believe in heaven? And I said, well, yeah, Lord. I, I do believe in heaven. And then the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, how do people go to heaven? I said, oh, Lord, it's easy. They, they accept the wonderful gift of your son. They accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and they go to heaven. And, and, I mean, it was so real. It was so dynamic. And then I didn't expect what happened next. The Lord spoke to me again, and he said, Jim, do you believe in hell? And, and it, became, it became really real to me. I mean, I had this feeling and, and just this, like, oh, my gosh. And I wrestled with that. It's, I want to believe in heaven. I mean, this is great. Do I, do I really believe in hell? And, and I said, yeah, Lord. And, and it was so real. And it's even real as I talk to you about it now. He said, do you believe in hell? 
And I said, yes, I, I believe in hell. And I mean, there were tears in my eyes. It was just so overwhelming because I said, God, what matters to you? If I'm going to give my life to your service, what, what's the main thing? He said, do you believe in hell? And I said, yeah, I do. And he says, well, how do people not go there? And I said, they need to receive Jesus as their Savior. And I'm saying this with tears in my eyes, and it was so meaningful to me. And the Lord spoke to me again. And he said, Jim, then how should you live the rest of your life? And at that moment in my life, sharing my faith was no longer what I did, what I was supposed to do. It became interwoven into my fabric, into my being. And it actually kind of became who I am. And in all of this time, this has been a big deal because one time I was disobedient. And, and the Lord said, Jim, I want you to share your faith. This was when I was a teenager before I had this, you know, dynamic experience. I was backpacking with my sister and her friend Carol, both extreme intellectuals. This gal, Carol, had just finished as valedictorian in her master's degree program from Cal State Fullerton. And they were both biologists. And the Lord said, I want you to share Jesus with them. And I said, no can do. Because they're so smart and they're going to bring up biology. And I don't know how to defend against this. And they even asked me faith questions. And I kind of shunned it. Well, it was less than a week later, my sister called me and she was crying. And I said, what is going on? She said, Carol just committed suicide. And I thought, wow. Lord, you asked me to share with her. And I didn't want to do it. I have the light. I have the words of life. Jesus, you have changed me, and I love you so much, but no, I didn't want to look silly. I didn't want to embarrass myself. And she killed herself. I'm not saying if I would have shared the Lord with her, she wouldn't have. But I know this, if she would have responded, if I would have shared the Lord with her, her life would have been completely different. But she didn't have that opportunity. And this is part of who I am. And, and Jesus, right now, is again going to show his followers, I am the light of the world, and I'm here to proclaim light. This is what the scripture goes on to say in John chapter 9, verse 4. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. 
The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. That's what we are now. We are the light of the world, and, and kind of what happens, and you're going to see this happening, there are some religious leaders of Jesus' day, and they're the Pharisees, and they have been people who have sat in, they have soaked, but they have soured. They have soured to the truth of Jesus. They're about rules and not relationship. And Jesus heals on the Sabbath, and you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to break the rules. And, and even what I have found in church sometimes we train for the battle so long, we actually think we're engaged in the battle. We, we, we sit and we soak, and here's what happens. One of two things. You sit and you soak, and if you don't share, you sour. It's happened throughout church history. When the church is persecuted, people come to know Christ. We get over all of our little petty differences, and we come to know Christ. You know, when 9-11, remember when that happened? Everybody was praying. No, nobody was saying, oh, no, 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 no church and state. No, no, no. Everybody was praying. But what happens, even if it's happened in my life, I want to sit, I want to soak. But if I don't get out and share, I sour. I become critical. And the Lord never, never called me to just sit and to soak and to have more knowledge and train for the battle in such a way that I actually think I'm engaged in the battle. And the fact is that people around me are dying and going to hell, and I'm not making a difference. Jesus says, hey, the time is short. And we have to be about the light. Now, I don't even know about this next scripture. It's just gross. I mean, I'm thinking, Jesus, you, you, what? I, I mean, I'm kind of a, a germaphobe. Even last night at dinner, I got super nervous because we were going to share some uh, key lime pie, and I said, oh, uh, could we please have it on two plates and separate forks? And, you know, his kids were messing with the silverware, and I'm like, yee. So I, I, I politely, you know, slid mine over so the kids couldn't touch it. You know, and I don't like touching doors. I mean, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. And, and Jesus, I mean, what are you doing? This is what it goes. He says, I'm the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. That is just gross. And I can tell you this, if I was there, I would have wanted to be the blind man. Why? Because he never saw it coming. He had no idea that Jesus spits. You know, I mean, who does that? Uh, uh, uh. The blind man's going, oh, wow, it's moist. No, he spit on you. Who, I mean, seriously, is there anyone else who's like a germaphobe? Yeah. Who, I mean, what are you spitting on each other for? But yeah, I'm just saying he was glad he never saw that coming. And he told him, go wash yourself. Of course you wash yourself after somebody spits on you. That's just so sick. Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and he came back seeing. Here's what I love about the Lord. 
You don't put Jesus in a box and think he's going to stay there. Jesus is Jesus, and he does whatever he's going to do to help people see the light. And I think sometimes in church, and I've lived in different areas of the country, we get a little weird. Like in California, everybody, even at church, like people danced. I'm not talking about like dancing up front. I'm just talking about like at our wedding, we danced. But nobody did Halloween because that's Satan's day. I moved to Iowa. You are not allowed to dance. And I thought, oh, Lord, don't let them see my sin. When I got married, we danced. I mean, we had a money dance. They pinned money on us. It sent us on our honeymoon. I thought it was wonderful until I learned it was a sin. But then here's what happened in Iowa. It was Halloween time, and people were coming to church, and their little kid was like Casper the Friendly Ghost and these things. And I'm like, wait a minute. That is a dirty, rotten sin. It's Satan's day. And then I realized we're all crazy. And it just depends on what part of the country we live in. We have these rules that don't really matter, but they're, they're cultural things. And Jesus is not about all of that. He says, I'm going to be gross and spit on a man. I mean, that's just so gross. And then he does it on the Sabbath. You don't do things on the Sabbath. And we'll hear about that. So it was a couple weeks ago, uh, we just had our first grandbaby. Oh, I am like out of control in love with this little kid. Well, then we decided we have a grandbaby. Our, our lot is a little steep in that. Let's sell our house and build a new house and have a nice background and a flat area for our grandbaby. So that's exactly what we did. We sold our house. We're like, we've got a grandbaby. Somebody's got to do something. And we didn't even need to buy moving boxes. It was awesome. My wife ordered so many things off of Amazon for the new baby that we just used all of the Amazon boxes and it packed up our whole house and moved it. Uh, and that's not an exaggeration. So anyway... We're, we're working on our house. There's a guy with a backhoe, and I needed some dirt moved. I said, hey, I know it's not your job, and I get it, you know, but could you move a little dirt for me? And I said, how about I buy your guys' lunch? He goes, oh, we can't take money. So I was walking around, and he tells his other buddy, he said, hey, that guy's going to take us for dinner um, to a strip club. And I went, I don't think I heard what he said. And he goes, oh, he'll take it to a strip club. We don't want to go to the one right there in Missouri. We want to go to the other one. And I'm thinking, this is going to be fun. And so I walked over just casually. I have two options. Be legalistic and tell them how wretched they are or try to share Jesus with them. And too often, the church sits, soaks, and then sours people because they act like sinners. So I said, where are we going to lunch? Or, you know, where are we going to dinner? They said, oh, there's this strip club. I said, I don't know if my employer would, would let me do that. And he's digging with a shovel. And, and he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm a minister. 
It was so funny. His eyes, I mean, I thought he was going to squeal like a girl like I did when I saw a snake. He freaked out, and he goes, ah, I was just kidding. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I said, no, it, it's all good. I said, but I'll tell you what, uh, my life is so full. I'm good with that. And he was mortified. My new neighbor across the street, they own a taco place in town. Man, I love tacos. And actually, sometimes during worship, have you ever done that? I mean, I'm just being honest. Have you ever thought about tacos like when your hands are raised and you're supposed to be praising Jesus? Lord, I love you. I let ta- a taco put you put salsa on it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, why do you? I mean, we're just human, right? I mean, there's some times where I know I should be worshiping, and I'm just thinking about food. And I was sad. You know, I love being here in Kearney, Nebraska. I'm like, oh, I get to be with Jonathan, and you broadcast the Broncos this afternoon. I mean, you know, so not everything's spiritual, but we want to live spiritual. But you've got to let your spiritual life be practical, and your practical life be spiritual, right? And so another guy, I mean, why? Do, I mean, do I, I, I think I look like I'm a crazy guy just because I have on construction stuff. He's trying to tell me about his collection of Playboys. And my contractor, I said, don't tell him I'm a pastor. I said, he's going to probably have a heart attack, and then he won't be able to get the brickwork done. You know, he's got this collection of Playboys he's never opened for this long and how much money they're worth. And I'm thinking, my contractor's freaking out. And then my wife says, he says, oh, I work on Sunday. And my wife says, oh, we don't because we're in church and we, we just love the Lord. And you could just see Playboy man. Oh, no. Well, and then my neighbor across the street, they're the taco people. Man, I, I, I just really like them. And I said, hey, what do you got going this weekend? Oh, we're doing this and that. They said, what are you doing this weekend? I said, well, it's really cool. I get to hang out at church. And they said, gosh, we moved here from Texas, and we haven't been to church for so long. I know we need it. I said, you know, you can hang out at this church I go to. It's super cool. And at my church, it's okay not to be okay. No one's going to judge you. So you can come just as you are. My new neighbor across the street, man, I really like him. His name's Brian. And, uh, oh, he's struggling. He's got inner demons that are just brutal. He's a combat, combat veteran. And he's young. And he has PTSD big time. To the point where they've even like got him a dog that he can comfort, you know, have comfort with the dog. And I was talking to his wife and, you know, just, hey, what do you do? Oh, she's finishing her master's degree. And like, oh, that's really cool. And, you know, what do you do? I train up leaders and I, I help at a church in town. And she goes, we need to go to church. But nobody will be honest with us when we ask tough questions. They just put us down. And I said, well, I'll be honest with you. I said, I, I'm not very smart, but I have, a, you know, an earned doctorate. And I, I love talking about just hard stuff. And they actually drove by my church. And the next time when I, I met her husband and she said, hey, this is that guy I told you who's kind of cool who's not like church people. And she told me how her family, they're church people, but they're all whacked out crazy. And they, I said, listen, I travel quite a bit, but when I'm in town, 
you've got to come to church. And, and I can't wait to hang out with Brian and his wife. And recently, we were in uh, Ashley Furniture, and Sharon said to me, my wife, they were going to pick something up for our new house. And she said, hey, I met this guy named Jeff and his wife. Uh, they just moved here. Super nice guy. And he's coming to church on Sunday. I said, really? Okay, great. And uh, two weeks ago, uh, his wife was out of town, but Jeff was in church. Do you know I never fight with anybody about the gospel? Matter of fact, I've never met anybody who's argued somebody in the kingdom of God. I just love people and just be normal with them. And I can't wait for my neighbors to ask me ridiculously hard questions. And it's not that I'm smart and go, oh, I know that answer. You know, why don't you just read the Bible? It'll scare the hell out of you. You know, get your life right with Christ. Turn or burn. You know, <laughs> get saved or get smoked out. You know, what? But as church people, we're kooky. And here's what you need to hear from me. I asked the Lord, what is the most important thing? And he asked me if I believed in heaven and hell. Do you believe in that? I loved the singing. And actually, I was like singing. And I was like getting into it. And I wasn't even thinking of tacos. I mean, I'm serious. I was like into it. Uh, but here's what happens if you sit and you soak, and you don't shine. This is what happens. This is what goes on in our hearts. We become religious. And Jesus hated these people, and they hated him. Look at verse 13 of chapter 9. They took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus healed and made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked this man about it, so he told him, he put mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What is your opinion of this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and now could see, so they called for his parents. And, you know, this is a rough deal. The parents come in, and according to you know, what was going on in the day with Jesus, anyone who had accepted like the, the, the thoughts of Jesus would be cast out of the synagogue and basically exiled from the church, and that would affect their employment and all these things. So they berate the parents and, 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 and you know, said, yeah, and the parents said, time out. Our son is old enough to speak for himself, so talk to him. So they didn't get their way with their parents. They decided, let's bring in the blind guy again and badger him. And this is exactly what happens. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. 
Can we just stop there for a second? These are the religious leaders of the day. These are the people who are supposed to represent Christ. And they just accused Jesus himself of being a a rotten sinner. They sat. They soaked. They understood. And yet they didn't embrace the Savior and what the Savior was about. They were about their religious rules no matter what. And in the church, I think sometimes we focus on that which is not the most important. Quite frankly, there is an empty seat next to some of you. And I'm just curious, when is the last time you prayed that God would use you to fill that seat? I've met with your board. And I've met with their wives. These are outstanding people who who love and would bleed for this church, and they have. I've talked with your pastors. They love you. They love this church. They're willing to do whatever God would ask them to do. But how many of us want it done for us or we're in the game? Do you know what I like about the Bronco game today? I've got an opinion. You know, those of you who watched the Nebraska game yesterday, you know what was great about that? You're a pro. Because you knew what they did wrong, and you knew how they could have won that game. You know the reality? You're not in the game. That's why it's easy to have an opinion. I can sit and soak, and I can sour. John Elway, how could you have ever done that? You know, your coach, here's what happens in church. You can sit, you can soak, you can be so full of the Spirit that you're just soured. You're soured to the simple truth that if your coworker doesn't know about Jesus, they are absolutely 100% headed to hell. I don't, know, I don't know when it was that we started to hunker down and, oh, the world's so bad, you know. We, we, we can't, you know, they're just so bad, we just got to hunker down. Please, you know, come, Lord Jesus. Ah, ah. How about being part of the answer? Jesus is waiting to come back. He maybe would have already come back if we would have done our job. If we would have shared, hey, people, people might reject you. They may reject the word, but our responsibility is to give people opportunity to reject the gospel. Question. Well, I know the answer to this. If I were to say, do you love Jesus? You'd say, man, I love him with everything I've got. Okay. When's the last time you shared him? If you haven't shared Jesus with anybody lately... You're on the verge of becoming sourful. You're on the verge, and and, oh, we don't want this. You're on the verge of becoming the Pharisee, 
the scribe, the one who has a tremendous amount of head knowledge, but nobody's changed. No, nobody's affected. Nobody, nobody is coming to know Jesus, and it's your responsibility and mine. When I grew up, people shared Jesus with other people. When I grew up in the Christian bookstore, you could find books on how to share your faith. The Roman Road, right? E.E. You know, uh, the four spiritual laws. And then the kooky guy, Chick Tracks. Remember those, you know? The world's coming to an end. And I mean, I remember going to see The Thief in the Night. Anybody see that? Distant Thunder and all those movies. Man, they scared me to death. I got saved like 100 times in two weeks. Uh, but go to a Christian bookstore and try to find something on how to share your faith. There's not one book anymore. Not one. Go to the Christian bookstore and try to find a self-help book. You'll find hundreds of them. Because we have bought in to the lie that it's about us. Wow. You know what? Here's what I want you to know from me today. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for over 30 years. And the church has tried for so long to make me what God didn't call me to be. Jim, we have to have the right music, and you got to have enough hymns, you got to have enough choruses, got to have something from my kid. Well, what about single ministry? What about women's ministry? What about men's ministry who hunt or men who golf? Or, you know, what are, are we getting deeper? Are we getting, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is this. You didn't call me in a ministry. God did. And he said, this is what's most important, and how should you live the rest of your life? But we're not even allowed to say this. I think somebody today is kind of thinking that I'm a little offensive. See, the pastor's wife's leaving. Uh. <laughs> I mean, that's how bad it is in my world. <laughs> I'm sorry, Becky. Uh, I'll be at my own altar. Here's what you need to hear. If you have not talked to anybody about your faith, I honestly question whether or not you have a deep faith. I mean, I live in a very affluent area in Bentonville where Walmart headquarters is. People always tell me about their new car and about their vacation and about this and about that. And, man, I got this. And why I'm getting married, why I'm getting boom. You know, like, very few people tell me I just led someone to Jesus. I love the Lord, and I just went out of my way to help my coworker. I'm not talking about being a mouthpiece with no actions. I'm talking about being the kind of person who serves. I am going to be the best neighbor to all of my new neighbors. I promise you. I've already, I don't even live there, and I've taken my, you know, leaf blower, and I blew off all the rocks around, you know, the cul-de-sac. I am the best neighbor. 
I am the neighbor who's going to help my neighbors because there's going to be some point where they're going to ask me, what do I do? And I don't want them to go, what? He says he's a minister, but man, he's a real jerk. Hear the heart of Jesus. The time is short. Soon there's a lot of darkness, and we're here to be about the light. Kelly, I, I, I love what you talked about, but we need to say it's hard to invite somebody to the Lord and bring somebody here. How about you stand in front of the people and watch them fall into the lake of fire? And the Lord says to you, that one I put in your path. And you didn't care. Oh, see that one? Yeah. Yeah. They have four generations of rotten people who are all alcoholics. And I asked you to intervene with Grandpa, and you didn't. And this is their offspring. How about you stand there and have, have the people who say, you, you have the truth and you didn't tell me. And they drop off into hell. Will you tell me what's more uncomfortable? Let me tell you something about me. I'm a big nothing. But here's what I am. I am faithful to a promise that I made to the Lord. When that gal killed herself, I've carried that my whole life. And I made a promise, Jesus, if you ever again put somebody in my path, ever, I will share the love of Jesus with them. I will never, never, never again back out or back down. And I have not to this day. There's a seat next to you. When's the last time you just laid your hand on the seat next to you and said, Lord Jesus, bring, bring this person into my life that my light might shine in such a way that they see my good works and glorify my Father in heaven. And I know it gets hard. It got hard here. God should get the glory. I don't know what happened. I was blind, but now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Did you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed at him. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. We don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange. The man who was healed has already become a shining light. Why, that is very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone blind. If the man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. And then here are those who have sat and soaked so long that they have become sour. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Friends, 
if you have been a believer more than two years, you are very susceptible to it being about rules and not about relationship with the Savior. You are susceptible to living on yesterdays. Well, I was saved. Remember the good old days? Remember the good old days? Those days are gone and dead. Is there nothing that our sweet Savior can do forward? Is there not a whole new generation who's starving for attention and are so busy and have not been brought up the way I was brought up? I mean, I went to Sunday school. I went to Wednesday night church. I did it. Now, the average church person who's a faithful church person comes once every three weeks. It's just true. And I know we're busy. I get it. I'm busy. You're busy. It's not about being busy. It's about being biblical, though. Right? Here's the last part of this. Uh, Well, I just love this. We'll kind of wrap things up. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said. Remember, I spit on you. No, that didn't say that. Um, And he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped him. If you were to read this and understand what it actually meant when John wrote it, it's much more than an intellectual I believe and I trust. It was actually an I believe and I trust to the point that I am going to walk where you walk. I'm going to follow where you go. I am going to do what you do. I know you love the Lord. You wouldn't be here. That's not mature biblical Christianity. To have the Lord love others through you is mature biblical Christianity. To have the Lord love others through you, that they see your good works in such a way and then they glorify our Father in heaven. You see, this man was blind physically, but how many people do we just walk by who are blind spiritually and they crash and burn emotionally? I live in an area that has so many millionaires, it's unbelievable. I also live in an area, northwest Arkansas, that has the highest divorce rate in the entire country. That's where I live. And you know why? Because people have bought the lie. They've bought the lie that affluence makes you important. And it's really not what you have, it's what has you. And I deal with marriages that crash and burn all the time because somebody gets promoted, 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 and their spiritual depth does not equal their net worth. It's not a matter of how much you make. I wish you were all millionaires. The truth is you couldn't handle it. Most of us. Some people say, Jim, why doesn't God give me more? Are you being faithful with what God gave you? Why would God give you something that would cause you to fall? He was touched by Jesus. He turned to Jesus. And then he began to be used by Jesus. We want to be touched by Jesus. 
We want to sit. We want to soak. I'm telling you, I have, I have engulfed the book of John. It does nobody any good unless it comes out. Jesus told him, I entered the world to, rud- to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and show those who think that they to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some of the Pharisees, again, these are the religious leaders who were standing nearby him, asked, are you saying we're blind? And here's Jesus' response. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim to see. Do not kid yourself for a moment. You are part of the greatest global enterprise that has ever, ever happened. It's Jesus Christ who died for you and died for me. And we are able to go to heaven because of it. Not only are we able to go to heaven, but we're able to live a life here on earth that matters. Here's what we forget. There are people in your life, in your family, who are going to hell. At your job, at your school, in your sphere of influence. And you are not here just to judge them. You are not here to say, well, they got what they deserved. You are here to do what Jesus did and to shed light. To be a light to a lost and dying world. All right, here's my last thought, and then I'm going to have Jonathan come up, and then I'm just going to come right back after he does and share one thing that we did in our church just last Sunday, and then I want to pray together. Every time I read the scriptures, I ask, is there a promise to receive or an error to avoid? And the promise is that Jesus is the light and wants to bring us light, and oh, I don't want to be blind. The error is I don't want to pretend that I'm spiritual and not do what Jesus wants me to do because I'll be just like the Pharisees. Another thing that I learned in this is that when the guy who got healed was persecuted, Jesus made a point to come to him and said, you can make it even when it's hard. Jonathan, if you'll come and I think I'm off. Uh, man, I'm super challenged. Uh, who's, uh, who's in my sphere? And, uh, you know, the, where we need to um, take this and run with it is, Lord, the next time you tell me to share, I'll share. The next time you show me the person, I'm not going to pass by. And uh, that's my sphere. Lord, who's the person? In a couple of weeks, we're going to do Invite Your One. And I'm just praying, Lord, there's got to be one person. There's got to be one person in our community. There's got to be one person in my sphere. That, that, And I believe this. I believe two things. If somebody walks in, the, I mean, I hear all the testimonies all the time. If somebody walks in this, this building, I know they're going to encounter and feel the presence of God. And I know that they're going to have an opportunity to hear the message, hear the gospel. I just know that. And so that's my promise to you. If you invite somebody, we're going to share. We're going to provide an atmosphere for them to encounter God and for them to be free. Um, 
uh, I'd like, you know, uh, this, is, this is that time where we like to, to bless our, our speaker. If, uh, if he's been a blessing to you, if the Lord's shared anything with you, it's appropriate to bless him. Our, our students are going to come and, and, and pass uh, a basket. If you'd like to give, you can give. And, um, and you know, no guilt, shame, and condemnation on that. But if, if he's been a blessing and you'd like to bless him, um, there's also a way to give electronically in the back or, or on our website. Um, and the, the team's going to play. And I'm going to just invite uh, Pastor Jim back to, um, to give us a, an opportunity to respond. And in addition to that, when, he, when, when we invite the prayer teams forward, any area that you need prayer, any area of breakthrough in your life that you need prayer, we'll have some prayer teams up here ready to pray with you. Pastor Jim. I, I know somebody might think, well, Jim, you're a pastor and you're trained. It's easy for you to share my wife's a banker, um, and she works in the corporate world in private banking, and multiple times she's had people weeping in her office, and she prays for them. My wife is not outspoken. You would never see her on a Sunday up in front of our church. She is grace and elegance, and she shares her faith not because it's what she does it's just because of who she is she has a co-worker one of her bosses who's struggling with cancer right now she's had this melanoma I mean it's popping up on her legs and we thought that the Lord might have touched her and Sharon said this week she went to her co-worker I mean this is a boss and she said to her I want you to know that on Sunday night, this was just this last week, on Sunday night, I had our group of ladies who pray together, pray for God to touch you. And, and, and she wrote my wife such a beautiful note saying, thank you for caring. We don't even know if she's a believer. It's not my job to make believers. It's my job to help people see that there's a God who cares and a God who can make a difference in their lives. And it's hard for me to share my faith. I mean, I don't lead my staff to Christ every week. They're already saved. So I have to meet somebody in Walmart. I have to go and, and mow my neighbor's yard or do something that they say, what's different about you? And Well, I'm just a good person. There's no good in me. It's Jesus in me. Here's what we did last week. I challenged my own church. We just sent out and launched another church. I gave away a third of my church. And I think it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. I thought, oh, Lord, following you is not easy. I gave up all the income, 65 people. They started another church on the west side of town. And I said to our church, I said, there's a seat next to you. And between now and June, I want us to pray a holy prayer that God would allow us to bring somebody. And I said, I am going to pray and I am going to bring five new people to Hope Church. And I said, and I want you to hold me accountable to that. I want you to hold me accountable because I want to do what matters to Jesus. And I said, and I want to pray for you that you would have the, the power of God within you. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the power within to live it and the power to proclaim it. 
I want to pray the same prayer that I prayed for the people I love with all my heart, my church that I pastor. I want to pray that prayer for you. I mean, is there somebody here who's crazy enough to say, God Almighty, I can, I, I can, through your power, I can bring four people to church. Somebody who says, God, I can't bring four, but I, I'm, I'm going to bring one. I'm going to bring one in two weeks. Is there somebody who says, I, I don't want to be the person who sits and soaks and then sours and talks about what's not right in the church. I'm too busy to worry about all the things that aren't right. I, I'm too busy trying to win somebody. I need somebody to know Jesus because somebody's going to hell if they don't. No church is perfect. I mean, my church is not perfect. It's all kinds of things that are just wish we did better. And, and, and you do too. You get it. I mean, I want to pray. And I want to ask you to respond to the Lord and me. You say, why do you want me to respond to you, Jim? Here's why. Every time the Lord, you know, Bo, if you looked up at me and said, Jim, I think I can bring a few. Every time I think about you, Bo, and the Lord reminds me, I'm going to pray for you. Lord, help Bo. Help those people to come into his life. Lord, I I mean, I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Right? We're in this together. All right, let's kind of just for a moment have a real honest conversation with the Lord. Father, oh, people say faith is private. Jesus, thank you that your crucifixion was public. If it was private, we wouldn't even know. We wouldn't even know that there's hope. We wouldn't know that we could be filled with your spirit. We wouldn't know that the word of God would come alive. We wouldn't know that we could walk in the power of the resurrection. We would be in the darkness. Judas, when he betrayed you, it says he walked into the night. We do not want to be children of the night. We want to be those who are living in your light. My prayer is this, help me and help my friends here. Those who I know and I don't know, I care about these people. I care about this community. I want Kearney to be a community in the surrounding areas that that knows Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we we would seek you in such a way that people would see you in us. That they would see our good works in such a way that it would glorify our Father in heaven. God, before we go, we have to come. We, we have to clean up, Lord, those things in us that, that, that repel people. Lord, help us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling because we've been called by Christ Jesus. And then, Lord, here's the step of faith. We need a miracle. It's not just to heal us. I, I, I believe, Lord, I think when Jonathan talked about somebody in their mind, I've been dealing with starting this new church. I've been dealing with the construction of our home. I'm the one who needed that word. I'm the one who says, Lord, help my brain right now. My brain is fried with all this crazy stuff. Lord, that was a word for me today. And I received that and I'm not ashamed. Lord, I'm not ashamed to publicly say in front of these people, I need more of you. I'm the one who's mine. I told Jonathan, I, I told Bo, man, it's just been hard building this house and the stress of that and finance with it. and then trying to start this church and having it have more people than I planned on leaving but Lord you spoke to me today 
And I received that the minute that Jonathan brought that up and said, that's mine today, Lord, thank you. And so for these friends, Lord, here's maybe the greatest miracle of all, that you will bring somebody into their life that they know that person needs Jesus and then they live like they know you. Lord, I pray for two weeks from now that we would not embarrass our Savior by doing nothing. God, it's not a matter of who comes. It's giving people the opportunity to come. So I want to pray if you say, Pastor Jim, I'm I'm believing for a miracle that God's going to use me to invite somebody. And And I got skin in the game at my church. This is my church. And if it burned down, I'd build it back up. If somebody tried to come in and take it, I'd take it back. This is my church. And, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church in the name of Jesus. And, and we want to take our community. We want to see God move in our community. And he's going to move in a way that's through you and me. So if you say, Jim, believe with me. Believe with me for somebody. I want you to look up at me and say, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, you are. Look how proud I am of you. I'm so proud of you. I, I'm in too. And I need your prayers. I got to go back home. And, and, and my church, you know, we've sent out a bunch of people to start a new church, and it was a bigger step of faith than I thought it was. I'm going to pray for you, but you got to pray for me too. I'm on, I'm, I'm on the hook for five, and God may say, Jim, you're on the hook for ten. And I'm okay with that because it's not about me. It's about him. It's about him bringing people into my life and then me being obedient. You, you don't have to go find them. I believe God's going to find people for you. He came for this very purpose. He came that people would know Jesus, that the blind spiritually would see. All right, I'm going to pray for you, man. I'm excited, and then you've got to pray for me. Father, we don't know how, but we don't know how we got saved. Probably somebody invited us to church. Probably somebody invited us multiple times. Probably somebody prayed for us before they ever invited us. Lord, we pray for people right now. Our coworker who's struggling, the kid in school, the, the neighbor, the, the person who you just keep bringing across our path, whether it's golfing or some activity. Lord, we pray for them. We pray. We pray the blood of Jesus into their life. We pray against the wiles of the devil in Jesus' name. We pray for breakthrough. We pray, mighty God, that you would be exalted, the devil would be defeated, and that Jesus would be proclaimed Lord in this community. Lord, I pray for the one who says, I can bring one, that you would give them one. I pray for the one who says, I've got faith that I believe God can use me to bring two. I pray for them and the person with three and the person with four. And my faith only got to five, God. But maybe there's somebody here who says, no, Jim, my faith goes to seven. My faith goes to eight. Lord, may we be obedient to the first one and let it go to 50 God I pray in the miraculous the the mighty the, the holy name of Jesus our Savior that you would honor us by doing the most important thing bringing people to know the Savior
We want them to know you, oh sweet Jesus. Use us. Burden in us what's the most important thing. Please, Lord Jesus, don't let us just sit. Don't let us just soak because we're going to become sour. Lord, let us sit, let us soak, but then let us share the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you. I believe with my entire heart you will answer this prayer. I believe it, Lord. And, and Lord, I just pause for a second. And, 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 and these, are, these are faithful people. These are spiritual people. Could you just quietly for a moment pray for me? I'm the one whose brain's kind of fried. Would you pray for me that I'll lead my taco neighbor to Jesus? That, that I'll be able to lead Brian to the Lord? He's so messed up in his mind. My, my contractor has cancer and he used to go to church. I want him to know the Lord. Kyle, who's a, a subcontractor, he, he prays to his dog and believes in Indian things and all that. He needs to come to know the Lord. And my buddy Wes is witnessing to him. Would you pray for me that I could share my faith? Yes, Lord. I believe the prayer of these people, Lord. I'm receiving that. I feel you're touching my my brain right now, my head. I feel more courage. Oh, did I need to be here today, Lord, for these people to pray a prayer for me. Thank you for godly people who would care enough to pray for me today. Thank you that you spoke a word of knowledge that I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister. And look how good you are, God. When we give, you give more. Thank you, Lord, that I received more today than I gave. You're just that way. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together. And as, as your wonderful pastor said, to have the prayer team come. And if you have a need, that they would pray for you. Pastor, maybe you could lead them.
I'm hanging on. 